take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 40th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode of the Drive-In, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our spoiler review of John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part 2. And then we have our top billing of office characters in honor of A Quiet Place's director. So use the bathroom now. Grab your popcorn and enjoy the 40th episode of the drive-in podcast ricky flex this is 40 this is 40 the big four oh kid how are you this evening late night recording what have you been watching kick us off kid yeah this this is 40 this is 40 i can't believe it um what have i been watching i've been watching actually just re i'm not watching anything new necessarily i watched super bad again uh Phenomenal flick. In honor of McLovin's birthday, I watched it. And maybe the greatest comedy of all time, up for debate. How about of all time? What about you? What are you watching? Well, first of all, Superbad, maybe one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. I think that's a future top billing in our future, most rewatchable movies. That's arguably a first-round pick. All right? We'll get one Nez's here. We'll do that. Um, But what have I been watching, Ricky Flex? First off, when I saw Quiet Place 2 – yesterday so sunday we're recording on monday night i went for the first time alone to a movie theater to watch i was a little nervous i was a little scared are people gonna judge me what do they think about this loser going to see a movie by himself but guess what i think i'm gonna do it every week now i had yeah, that you pleasurable it? of an experience I, I don't have my dad whispering in my ear How, who, did you did, what did he say i can't hear that I, what's going on right now what, who is that character none of that me by myself, a bucket of popcorn, a large Coke having at it. Right. And I had a phenomenal experience traveling back to the theater. It felt amazing. But to go along with the quiet place part two, I watched Bo Burnham's new special inside. You know what? I really did like it, but there were some really cringeworthy scenes and it was kind of as expected. Bo Burnham can be kind of cringe sometimes, even with his directorial efforts, as you know, Ricky flicks with eighth grade, but, um, I had a great time watching that as well. And you know what I did today? I get off work. I plug on a movie. I go to Amazon and we're, we're reviewing a thriller today. I decided that, oh, let's keep up. Let's keep uh, this momentum going. I watched uh, You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joaquin. You like nice. it? It was 90 minutes, Joaquin showcase. And I think there was a couple of great like like cinematography that movie there's some scenes where he's underwater yeah. carrying his his mom I don't, i'm not gonna go into a bunch of spoilers in case we ever review it but i really did enjoy it i know I, my roommate was uh watching watching bits and pieces with me and like he's like watching scenes where joaquin's just wielding a hammer and stuff he's like what yeah. the hell is going on right now and there are some parts of that movie you're just like what the hell song choices whatever but mm-hmm. it's joaquin yeah, so and watch I think he went from that role. Like he weighed two twenty, two twenty five in that. He went from that He's to Joker. Joker. So and Joker, we all saw how skinny he was there. It was it was looked like Christian Bale, almost Christian Bale in uh, the Machinist, like insane, uh, just insanely skinny. So he went from two twenty five to probably like a buck twenty, like insane. 
the life of an Oscar winner, dude. Like he's probably stuffing his face with pies, right? Wheeled in a hammer, flip it in his hand. And then he's going to nothing but apples and cigarettes with Joker. But well, I'm an Oscar though, huh? Speaking of wielding hammers, I guess another thing that we we watched and we should say on this podcast is we watched Thor Ragnarok. Where do we watch it? We watch it on a live stream on the new app Stream Lounge. Stream Lounge, great partner of mm. ours. I don't know if you want to touch on that, Dr. O. Of course. And I think that was a hell of a transition by you, Ricky Flex. Well done. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So Stream Lounge, uh, we first want to thank Stream Lounge for having us. Uh, Mark, Sean, and the crew there at Stream Lounge do an awesome job. Uh, we have a great partnership with them, and hopefully we're going to do more in the future. With uh, I know we have new episodes of Loki dropping every Wednesday. We're going to try Stream Lounge with that, our episodes, and I think Loki's getting absolutely rave reviews so far right out of the gate. So we're excited to do that. But like for those who don't know what Stream Lounge is, we basically you got we watch uh, either a show or a movie on any streaming uh, platform. We can uh, you can watch along with us. We'll commentate, right? We'll have our comments. We'll do our thing. We'll spat out some funny takes, and then we'll also just enjoy the episode with you. It's really cool. And then you don't even have to only watch it live, but you can do it. Um, you can watch the replays afterwards. It's a really cool idea. It's almost like you're announcing the movie. It's very, very cool. So if you like our content, like our podcast, like our YouTube, it's definitely something you should be interested in. You get to interact with us. You get to comment and we'll read off your comments and talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's a lot of fun. Streamline was a great first, uh, first test, I guess, for us. And we've been talking mm-hmm. about doing live shows, live commentaries, and this is just a great app to do it. It's free. And you just go on Stream Lounge on the website, like put it in your browser and it's free, download it, very easy. And just right. and I think watch movies. Our first our first, our first attempt at it was pre- I think it was pretty successful. Thor Ragnarok was a great pick. Talk about a rewatchable movie, something people mm-hmm. have seen, don't have to worry about spoilers, giving out MCU takes. It's gonna be really fun with Loki too. Really excited for that. Oh yeah. And Kevin Feige today saying it's gonna be the what did he say? He said it was like the most impactful on the MCU. Uh, to date so far out of WandaVision and Falcon, the winter soldier. So Loki's going to be a really fun one to watch, especially watching it with us on stream lounge. So definitely want to be a part of that. Go download stream lounge and watch Loki with us. Be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Ricky flex. We got a lot of news today. How about we get to the checkout? Let's do it. One more moment, doctor. Bringing you the latest news this is the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. Tena Huerta is rumored to be cast as Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Huerta is primarily known for his role in Narcos Mexico. Namor, for those who don't know, was a water based Marvel hero that parallels DC's Aquaman. This report comes from the Illuminati, who reports many different things in the Marvel stratosphere. Moving on with the checkup, more casting news. Taylor Swift. T. Swift joins the cast of the new David O. Russell movie. The untitled film's cast already includes the likes of Christian Bale, John David Washington, Margot Robbie, Rami Malek, and Zoe Saldana. This will be O. Russell's first film since 2015's Joy, starring Jennifer Lawrence. The title of the film and plot are currently being kept under wraps. Moving on with more casting news, Jonathan Majors will star as Adonis Creed's next adversary in Creed 3. Michael B. Jordan will be in the director's chair for the first time for this film. Unfortunately, Sylvester Stallone has confirmed he will not be appearing as the iconic Rocky character from the franchise. Next up, guess what? More casting news. Donnie Yen joins Keanu Reeves for John Wick 4. 
Yen's character is expected to be a longtime ally of John Wick from his early days as an assassin. We might have to be we might have to put him on double cross watch. Just a heads up for you fans. Next up, even more casting news. Issa Rae is Spider-Woman in Into the Spider-Verse 2. She joins the voice cast that already includes Shameek Moore, Haley Steinfeld, and a rumored Oscar Isaac as Spider-Man 2099. Next up on the checkup, Cruella 2 is in early development at Disney with the original team expected to return. Cruella director Craig Gillespie and screenwriter Tony McNamara are, expect- are expected to return for the sequel. The movie, the movie debuted May 28th on Disney Plus Premiere Access and in theaters. And to wrap up the checkup today, we have a Quiet Place spinoff movie coming in 2023 from MUD director Jeff Nichols. This movie won't be a direct sequel to A Quiet Place Part 2 and will be based on a story idea developed by the one and only John Krasinski. That does it for the checkup this week. You've just been checked up by Dr. O. Ricky Flicks, that's a lot of news, a lot on the docket today. Which headline pops out most to you? Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors back in the limelight here. He Ant-Man in the uh, Ant-Man 3, Quantum, what is it? Quantum Quantum Mania. Yeah, Quantum Mania. He's gonna be King the Conqueror in that. And he's gonna be in another blockbuster in the Rocky franchise and being next to Michael B. Jordan and Creed. And he's also gonna be in The Heart of They Fall, which is that huge cast uh, with Regina King. Idris Elba and like that, uh, the the Western movie coming out later this Lakeith year. Lakeith Stanfield too. Lakeith Stanfield, thank you. So he's gonna like he's just always not. He's a uh, what am I trying to say? He's like just been in the limelight right now. So I feel like he's just really an actor on the rise. And the Five Bloods and Lovecraft uh, Country have been just really really good for him. I agree. Like last Black Man in uh, San Francisco was one mm-hmm. that he uh, where he really started to garner critical acclaim, hopping around to the Five Blubs, Lovecraft Country really launched him into another stratosphere. Still have yet to check out that show, but you're right when you hit the uh, title of Marvel villain, like you know, like you're hitting the big time for sure. Right. And then you're playing a adversary of Adonis Creed of Michael B. Jordan. I'm excited to see it, but please don't tell me he's going to be Clubber Lang's like long lost son or something don't give me that no more connections to the older franchise you know what i mean yeah let's do something new let's be original yeah but uh definitely jonathan majors fan i don't know if he's a, a, a if he's a main proponent of the podcast i guess we, we we are fans of him but let's see what he turns in with quantum mania and then uh creed three um mm-hmm. ricky flex i also want to talk about our i want to i want to talk about donnie yen we're gonna talk donnie yen in john wick four because this feels too natural that he's in the John Wick franchise. You know, it feels like he, it feels like it was only a matter of time before you had someone like Donnie Yen. I know they're trying to mix it up with the cast for John Wick. You had last movie, you had Halle Berry in uh, who did a spectacular job alongside John Wick. You're going to have Donnie Yen now, like, I mean, IP man himself, like going to rip it up, tear it up right next to Keanu. I can't wait for that. And I kind of wish and hope that they uh, face each other. That could be some electric content. Yeah, and he was just recently in Mulan as well, I should say, just for recency. Like, just he was in Mulan. Uh, not much more to say on that. But yeah, IP Man himself, that whole, fr- like, how many IP Man movies are there? Like, four? At least four. Yeah, so, like, this guy's going to be next to John Wick. Like, sign me up. John Wick 4, let's do it. Absolutely, man. Donnie Yen, uh, great in Rogue One. I loved him in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, Rogue um, One. Very good. 
uh, to get away from the uh, actually no Tana Cuerta. I don't I'm like I'm not a big Narcos guy, right? I don't watch Narcos, Narcos Mexico. I've seen the first couple episodes of Narcos. I just didn't stick with it for some reason. But we get, I think the big story there is Namor coming to Black Panther Wakanda forever. Obviously, we're losing T'Challa due to the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, but we are getting right this iconic Marvel hero, the basically the Aquaman for the MCU with Namor. It's, it's going to be interesting what role he plays in this film. Uh, is he going to be an adversary of Wakanda? Is he going to be someone that they're partnering with to fight somebody else? But uh, this is a character that could have a lot of, a, it could have a bright future in the MCU. So you got to be pumped to see that, no? Yeah, it opens up, it open, it opens up a lot of avenues for the MCU, and they don't really have an Aquaman character right now. So, like, like as in, like, using the water, the ocean, right? And they could use the special effects that you saw in Aquaman, like made over a billion dollars because it just looks so visually appealing. And you already attach it to a black, the Black Panther, like that whole uh, that that franchise. Like, mm-hmm. it's gonna be good. This is gonna be good. So right. even though I'm not a big Narcos guy myself, I watched the first three seasons, even the one after Pablo Escobar, I thought was very good, but I dropped off after that. Didn't watch Narcos Mexico, but I'm still excited just to see this character and we'll see what, uh, Tanik, Tanok, Huerta? Tanok Huerta. So it, it's kind of interesting. Like Narcos, when it first came out, that was an explosion on Netflix. And it feels like it's kind of waned a little bit. I don't know if it's because you add the colon and slide and then like Mexico, it's like CSI, Miami. It's like, you know what right, I'm talking yeah. about? kind of loses it it's like oh there is some type of fatigue here but uh i've only heard good things about this actor i really don't know much about him but uh if marvel sometimes they'll either go with someone that's really obscure or they'll go with the biggest name possible so this Mm -hmm. is like this is the uh uh not the latter but it's the uh the first one right so you're gonna get someone that really hasn't seen the limelight too much and gonna shine a little spot on him um lastly ricky flex before we move on to our review of a quiet place part two which i'm so pumped for this i think this is a perfect transition quiet place spinoff coming 2023 this is gonna be the next quiet place movie a movie uh i mean when after a quiet place one came out right i really didn't think it had franchise potential whatsoever then all of a sudden quiet place part two comes out people are raving about it you're expecting a third one the third one the second one kind of leads into a third movie I'm kind of shocked that they announced this. This is going to be a spinoff and not connected to the hit that's in theaters right now. Are you surprised as well? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite angle here. So after the first one, I thought, okay, franchise, boom, because the final scene in A Quiet Place just was a direct lead into a sequel. And in this one and this sequel, you just knew, like, all right, like, good things come in three trilogies. So you knew you were going to get at least one more out of this franchise. This spinoff, I did not see this coming. That's but, what, yeah, that's what I'm really but, happy. Oh, gotcha. Well, I did not see this coming, but I can I can believe it. This intel, I feel like we're in this intellectual property age where we're just trying to use anything to make a movie out of. Any idea, any prior history of a movie, just use it and then create a new idea off of that. And prime example, Cruella or any of these prequels coming out. So... I'm not surprised. I'm just interested what they're going to do. Is it going to be, if it was focused around the aliens, that would be pretty cool. Um, But I doubt that since they can't talk really, but that would be kind of cool. I would like to know like why they're here and 
how like how they pick Earth and everything. So I don't think right. that would be the case, but that's what I would want to see. How about you? What would you want to see? If I had to make an obvious selection, dude, it's I want to see Killian Murphy's origin. How did he lose his family and things like things of that nature? I want to see more of his character because uh, I think he had a fascinating background. You see, we're going to talk about A Quiet Place Part Two in one second, but you see like him as the family man prior to. Uh, the alien invasion you see what he becomes and then his development beyond that and i think that there was uh, the writing for his character i thought was really good by john krasinski in quiet place part two but uh i think i want to know more about his character but like i i'm kind of shocked that part three just isn't on the way because i think quiet place part two it was more um directly leading to a sequel even than the first one in my opinion Mm -hmm. so uh all right that does it for the checkup this week and uh i think i'm i think it's time to move on to a quiet place part two what do you say flex Yes, yes, yeah, and yes. Okay. Quiet Place Part 2. Rub you. So Quiet Place Part 2 is available to see only in theaters, and I cannot recommend any more or any further how necessary it is to see this movie in theaters. It's absolutely spectacular. Uh, this is a spoiler review. We will be going over the movie, going over details, no, uh, no holding back. This currently has a 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 93% audience score, and it has a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. That's a phenomenal score. So here's a synopsis according to Google. So following the deadly events at home, the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. Okay, Ricky Flicks. As always, knee-jerk reactions. What was your, um, what was your knee knee-jerk reaction to A Quiet Place Part Two? Yeah, I, I really liked this movie. I really did. I like you said in your little intro there. Seeing it in theaters is game-changing. Seeing A Quiet Place in theaters is one of the best movie theater experiences of my life, and seeing this was very like was right there with it. It was so good to see. I know you saw it alone. I saw it with someone. Um, And I just, every time something like there was a lot of action sequences in this movie, a lot of suspenseful, thrilling surprises. And I could just feel the people jump, uh, the people I was with jump uh, like on top of me, basically. They're at the edge of their seat. They're hitting me saying, oh my God, oh my God. You got to see this in theaters. Now to the actual movie, the action sequences were sick. It felt kind of like a Jurassic Park in, at, at parts, like when, um, what was it? Reagan, her name, the, the daughter okay and she's on the train and like the obviously the non-moving train and the it's like mono mono from the from the uh the alien it kind of felt like jurassic park with the raptor in the kitchen like it was just a lot of like things like that in this movie that were similar to jurassic park and like spielberg like what spielberg always does in his movies so that part was great and i really liked killian murphy in this i did i really liked him what about you, Doc? So knee-jerk reaction, I like walk out of theater. I'm like, this was phenomenal. I didn't know if it was just um, – I just had the high of being in the movie theater again and coming out of such an electric and suspenseful movie. But thinking back on it, I think this is almost at the same level as the first one. I don't, I'm not going to say it is on that same level because this was a sequel that did what it had to do to uh, expand this universe – and grow upon the first movie. So the first movie, it's very much 
obviously you have all these aliens who all imagine this large scale film. No, it's happening on this one farm, very small scale in the first movie. Uh, and then John Krasinski was so good in that first movie. I was like sad that man, like we're not going to see him much in the second one, obviously only through flashbacks, Killian Murphy coming in, obviously that not necessarily a downgrade. He's a phenomenal actor, but just John Krasinski was so good. But what this second movie did is that, it kind of goes into, it expands larger scale. Obviously you have different settings. The family's getting split up a little bit. All right. They're facing new challenges. You're meeting nude characters. This sequel does what a world building sequel is supposed to do. And uh, to go with Killian Murphy, let's just start with him. All right. Cause you brought him up. Let's go over the performances in the film. I personally, I didn't think he had a strong start to the movie. I really wasn't drawn to his character as much as I wanted to be because I'm all, you know, I'm a Peaky Blinder fan. I love Killian Murphy. But as the movie went on, his relationship grew with Reagan, right? I felt like, man, I really do enjoy his character. And like, you, and like there's parts, I know it's a spoiler review, there is a part where you think he's going to die. I'm like, wow, are they going to kill the male lead again? in a quiet place. And I was like, please don't do it. Please don't do it. But then Reagan coming up big. I think that was a huge part of the movie. It made it so enjoyable. Cause I think honestly, like Killian Murphy, like, yes, like that's the name, but I think this movie did belong to Reagan. Right. Yes. From, I think this was her movie and she was a, I think she did a phenomenal acting job and Noah Jupe was good as well as his son, but I think this was her movie and she owned it. What do you think? Yeah, this was definitely a focus on the kids, right? Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt leaves the movie for like a large periods of time just to go grab more oxygen for the baby. So like this was basically a, like for the kids. And I really liked Reagan in this this movie, but Noah Jupe just I found so annoying. I found I just that was like the big my big like the big performance I didn't like. I was just really did not like watching him so oh go ahead sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i just found him very annoying and i'm not just in what he does but just his mannerisms and everything he's doing just is the way he's portraying the character i just didn't like it at all i really didn't i know that's a hot take and i'm definitely in the minority but i just really didn't but on the other hand i I do agree with you i think the, the main focus was on reagan and on her performance and i thought she was great so noah jube's character Like he, I think he has to go through a lot. He takes care of the baby. There's a lot like his, I like, and what this movie does, that's so interesting. There is a immense focus on the younger characters. Even like you almost expect Emily Blunt, Killian Murphy, they're going to own the movie. Not so, not so whatsoever. And like the writing of this movie, what was so good is that they split up the family, right? You have Killian Murphy going along with Reagan, right? His Emmett character, Emily Blunt stuck with Noah Jupe and the baby. What they did with the writing is that they paralleled one another the entire movie. Like this person's going through this, this kid is going through this, and they're almost replicating one another. And it shows that they're going through the same thing. They're going through the struggle of survival. And I really did like that aspect. But in terms of like Emily Blunt, you didn't hear like literally quiet place. You didn't hear much from her. She wasn't on screen as much as you'd anticipate following the uh, death of John Krasinski character in the first one. So I was honestly a little disappointed by that, but I, it's obviously the showcase is for the kids. And I think that I didn't really see that coming. And I, I really did enjoy that aspect. Um, moving along. I also want to talk about a, a, a detractor I had about them, a, a detractor I had from the movie and there is I mentioned the world building aspect and what made a quiet place one so good is obviously the volume that movie. It was 
quiet for so much of the time that when the actual like noise hit, it was like it threw you off and it made you jump out of your seat. This one, it was a pretty loud movie for a place for a movie called Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it's pretty loud. Like there's a lot of dialogue between Killian Murphy's character and Reagan. Obviously, Killian Murphy can't speak sign language, but uh, I think that just showed like okay, it's now like it has to get like it, it it doesn't hold that same magic as the first one did, and they did their best to do that but just based on the character that kelly murphy had and the necessary communication and everything i think that was uh it was just a natural thing that was going to happen what do you think about that when you compare the two uh two movies yeah like there's a lot more talking in this like just at least double the amount of talking and what that does it makes it less unique it makes it easier for us the audience to just watch it and listen to it we don't have to focus as much right but it doesn't make it as memorable and it's effective and less frustrating like i said but Honestly, it just makes it less unique. And I think that's like a big thing I have with this movie, comparing it to the first one, is that even though I really like this movie, you don't really get those signature moments, not just with the sign language or the John Krasinski and the Reagan relationship, right? You get, you don't like uh, when John Krasinski in the first one, like this is spoilers. So there you go. John Krasinski yelling, sacrificing himself in the first one, iconic moment. The blunt, Emily Blunt holding the shotgun. You don't have any of those iconic stills in this movie, in my eyes. Uh, her in the bathtub. Like, I just don't think you really get those. You have that great, the great beginning sequence, which honestly might have been the best part of this film. That the beginning sequence with John Krasinski and the introduction to the aliens, that was awesome to watch. That was very fun to watch. But, or the, the, the first kid getting killed. Another iconic moment in the first movie. And then so you he, also see, even in the second movie, like he's walking down, like they, they, they throw like the little Easter eggs. He's walking in yeah. the shop and he goes right by the rocket that the kid was playing with and everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, but, so like, I just don't think there was any signature moment in this that was even close to uh, the first one. I think there might have been. It's not, and, and like that would be, spoiler review, Killian Murphy and Ray, uh, Emmett, Emmett and uh, Reagan, they, get, they go get the boat. And they uh, run into these people that I assume are cannibals, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they they try and kidnap Scotty Murphy. Uh, Scoot McNary. It was, was that Scoot McNary? Yeah. Wow. So uh, didn't have a line in the movie. But uh, here's what happened. And it's, this is like the writing that I really enjoyed is that at the beginning of the movie, he's learning sign language, Kelly Murphy's character from Reagan, and he does the dive, right? That so, was like, good. The girl slings a basically a noose trapping Killian uh, Emmett's character, Killian Murphy, on the dock. And then he turns to Reagan saying, jump in the water. And he does it by going to dive. And she died. Like, that part, I think, was exhilarating where Killian Murphy's underwater. Then you find out the monster, the, the aliens can't swim and everything. The aliens just going ham, knocking out these cannibals left and right. And even if we're talking about potential spinoffs. That is a group that could be explored because, like, we really don't really uh, we didn't learn much about them. I'm assuming the fact that they're cannibals. You don't really know their motive, mm-hmm. but that's that's once again this movie. It does it did what a sequel is supposed to do. Larger scale stakes are raised. Okay, they even had right going like they're why they why are they at the dock in the first place? They're going from a boat to an island because the monsters can't swim. Right, so it's like okay, how do we escape this now? Right. So it's not just about survival. It's about like living your life now. And so it's going to be fascinating to see. And at the, I think I'm, now I'm just like, I'm going on, but go, go, go. This, the end of this movie, they are not together. They are split up. The baby, Emily Blunt, right? And Noah Jupe, they're still mm-hmm. stuck, right? On mainland and they can't get to that island, 
right? They, so is Killian Murphy and uh, Reagan, are they going to go back to the mainland to get them? Are they just going to follow, right? Because they have the signal now. They hear the Beyond the Sea song. Right. Like they got the signal. They know that they have to get over there, but how are they going to get there? So and, that's why I'm so shocked this threequel isn't happening as soon as possible, you know? And Killian Murphy, like his leg is so broken and cut open. Like he's not going to be able to walk for so long, mm-hmm. like months. So I'm going to be interested in how much of a time jump they do for this third one and whether, like, I don't know what they're going to do because if they speed up that recovery, I, hey, I will call that out. I know people say, oh, it's just a movie and it's a fantasy, obviously, like extreme fantasy. Uh, Tom DeLonge would disagree. But with a movie, it's similar to like the su- like superhero movies. Like when you jump into a universe, then you like, you want to really be inside that universe and kind of be see like, what are the inconsistencies of it? So like, I really will hope that they really just don't botch that and they just speed up that recovery or do something stupid like that. Like there was a lot of things in this movie that I like found to be just utterly ridiculous. Like just the fact that Reagan was by herself in the train in the first place was just utterly ridiculous. And then what happens? And then a lot of the times when they shot the, like they actually shot at the aliens, sometimes it would like, they would shoot them in the face. They won't die. Other times they'll blow their head off. It's like, all right, what the heck? Like what, t- do you shouldn't in the face blow their head off or not? Like we got to pick one here. Right. So like there's a lot of things like that. Be, how accurate do you have to be when you? Yeah. Shoot like the face, there's know? just what it wasn't consistent at all. Like obviously this is a huge drawback, but I just hate like watching movie because throughout the entire movie now, once you see that inconsistency, you're constantly thinking that throughout the movie rather than thinking about the plot or there's just the story coming forward. So I don't really like that when I'm watching a movie, but looking back at it, it's not a huge deal. Uh, one gripe I had was how, like, because obviously um, Emmett and Reagan, they get to the island. Like, the fact that that boat just randomly had the monster, the alien in it, and showed up on the island. I was just like, yeah. oh, that's kind of controversial. But, like, how did it get there necessarily? Does it, it, it literally went right off the dock and just showed up at the island. Like, it made exactly. it all its way there. And, like, in that, mount, in that amount of time, I was kind of surprised by that, especially with, like, the attention to detail John Krasinski typically has with the with, – with, these movies with the writing of them. So I was kind of shocked, but overall, man, I, I did think this was a special movie and it was needed to be seen in theaters. It really did. And it didn't have, as I said before, that suspense factor as much as the first one, but it had plenty. It had plenty. It was it missing. Had- yeah. It was missing the allure and the mystique around it. And when the first one, like you knew it was going to be a suspense thriller, but you didn't know, like they literally weren't going to talk the entire movie, or you didn't know that it was going to be this much, like just suspense to it. This one, you're going in like, all right, I know what I'm going in for. But then they just went like hammer. Like they just bopped you on the head constantly with the action sequences. So I really did like it. And it was different. It made it, it separated itself from the first one for sure. Yeah. And I, that's, I think it had to do that. You know, I think there is no way that it was going to top the first one. And I think people accept that. I really don't think it was going to. Sequels usually don't. The first one, yes. And the, the first one was such a unique idea. It was such a unique idea. And then, obviously, you have the powerhouse performance by John Krasinski. Like, they talk about his directing, John, there. That acting performance by John Krasinski in the first one was so special, in my opinion. I think that was his best acting he's ever done in his career. I, he, he probably won't have more, like, uh, in his movie career, he probably won't have more of an iconic moment than that yell. And it loses a little bit of the emotional weight too when the family's separated, right? Yeah, you that lose too. that. They're not together. It's not as I said. It's much more large scale. They're split up. But 
this is the writing that I like. They parallel consistently what the family's going through, right? Mm-hmm. And that they they really are in this together, even though they're not physically in one location. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I like the way he did that. And he had to, right? Larger scale, larger stakes, expand the world. Not as good as the first, but very, very good. The Hall of Very, very good. Yeah, like as far as sequels, like this is incredible. Like the, not as good as the first, but is it, it's almost as good as you could have done. Right. Agreed. I, I'm 100% on, on board with that. My goodness. And then, uh, yeah. And I, like, I, like, I also want to bring up Digimon Hansu. Uh, <laughs> yes. He was like in this movie for like three minutes. <laughs> so I, like, I watching this movie, I didn't know he was in it. And when I saw him on screen, I'm like, all right, I should have picked him in the supporting actors top billing. I should have picked him in that draft. Like he just always just ad- ends up being a cameo or like he's always a supporting actor in these big box office movies. Right. He always somehow gets these roles. So it's just like he would have been a perfect uh, person for that draft. And I'm mad I didn't pick him. But he was in this for like three minutes. Right. So and like that's like, I don't know, because like I don't necessarily love him. I love his voice. And like he always shows up in these big blockbusters. He has a good presence, but- too. Like on screen, yeah. Good sidekick. He speaks like a mile an hour, and just like you feel like he's just. He has a good voice. He he would be a good narrator on like a Planet Earth type thing. Oh, yeah. Sign him up, dude. Yeah, that would be sick. Yes, put him in. Put him in some like a Batman animated movies or something. Like yeah, do something. Oh, oh, you know that would be sick if we if he got as a villain or something like that. I like that, and they always make fire like animated films. Yeah. All right, Ricky Flex. How about we throw out some scores? What do you say? I gave this an 86. 86. I really liked it. You could really see, like, we've been talking about it again one more time. The act, more action sequences, a lot more on at your seat from those action sequences, the suspense. The Michael Bay producing aspect of this really showed in this movie, uh, in the sequel as well, in the sequel, really. There were some aspects I didn't like, but all in all, as far as sequel is concerned, this was very good. Mm-hmm. Top notch. Top notch, in my opinion. I go with a 92. 92 for me i really loved this movie uh and i like the quiet place part one for me just top of my head i didn't score it for the first time i saw it or anything we didn't have a podcast then we weren't writing reviews like that movie is like a 95 96 in my opinion that movie is special this one is the best you special. could do for a sequel it is special man and uh kelly murphy i can't wait to explore his character even more i felt like he got better the more you got to know his character the further his relationship built with reagan emily blunt kind of not more of an obscure character in here. She's grieving following the death of her husband. And mm-hmm. she has a lot to worry about a lot in her mind, obviously the passing of her son earlier on, but I think the kids carried the load in this movie. Noah Jupe. I know you didn't like him. I thought he was awesome. I thought he was great. And the only thing is he is at that age where if you uh, get one year older, you look so different. Yes. So I was thinking that too. So like he looks so young in a quiet place. The first one back in 2018 and then i'm watching him like carrying the bat the little league game i'm like he looks like he's 15 right yeah like he shouldn't be in a little league game right he should be at least in babe ruth on the big field 90 feet absolutely it looked like he just didn't he wasn't the same person but i think he did do a great job in the acting role and i think he has a bright future ahead of him i know you love honey boy and like he you 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 were telling me he has an all-time performance in that all-time performance yeah so uh maybe we'll have to do i mean we got top billing ideas of the yin yang maybe mm-hmm. best child performances so that's not a bad idea I, I now that we now i'm thinking about it thinking back in the movie noah jupe one scene that i did not like with him is when he's like out exploring the garage or wherever they are uh that 
like manufacturing warehouse or whatever. And he finds like Killian Murphy's, uh, uh, I'm allegedly like assuming, uh, it's Killian Murphy's wife and kid, like their bodies. Like, oh yeah. Why even include that? Like if you're not going to expand upon Killian Murphy's character any more than that, I just didn't even want to include that. I think I think that's also like saying like well, you you're gonna you're gonna hear more about this character. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I think I think they are saving a bit for him because it's clear that the fact that they didn't kill him in this second movie that they really have plans for him. Yeah, and I, either and in that what? spinoff role or the the third one, they're gonna expand that more spinoff movie. I, I'll say. And I would then, love him in a spinoff movie, but I'd just be nervous. I don't think they will do it because it's just gonna be reminiscent of the first Quiet Place. You know what I mean? Ooh, unless they point. really, unless they really have different plans, like it's him trying to save his family. The fact that he loses his family, you know what's going to happen. So it's yeah. almost like maybe you got to explore something different. You're, right. like you're talking about the origin of the monsters. That might be the better uh, avenue. Dang, yeah, that's a good point. I really would like to see that, like Kelly Murphy's character expanded it a little more. I, that's one thing I wish I saw more. You, I thought he did a good job actually, just pure acting and expressing his emotions and connecting with reagan but i would have liked to expand his actual character more but yeah so like yeah his background there was not nearly enough but yes as we said Cause like, is- there was like oh you were friends like oh yeah because he's on the same baseball team as your is your son is on the same baseball team as your son like that's not they, enough. they try and establish that connection at the beginning of the movie but I don't, think, I, think- I don't think it was strong enough but yeah, i think they no. did try and establish it in the beginning uh but like the, like him he's like he's almost in the same state as like emily blunt who's lost a son and her husband he's lost his entire family right he's realizing and then like him saying i want you out tomorrow i need you to do this but it's because of that connection with reagan because he notices like man like i need to be more like her dad i need to be there for mm-hmm. others this is a life worth living no matter what and now he's growing an attachment to this girl and he said like he's he like for example, Reagan gets on the train, falls asleep. She thinks that Kelly Murphy took her things and ditched him, right? Right. Like yeah, Walking that Dead. Like, that's a, that was like a Walking Dead type vibe to it, yes. you know? But like she, uh, what ends up happening, he comes back and says, hey, I found a boat. Let's get out of here, right? right? <laughs> He's starting to believe again. He's believing because of this kid. And I think that was, uh, but, yeah. was a powerful performance by Reagan, for sure. Yeah. All right. That does it for uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. Make sure to check it out in theaters currently today go tomorrow because it's monday night <laughs> but go i'm now going to throw it over to ricky flex for a highly anticipated top billing of the best office characters thank you dr o the office all-time show arguably the greatest show of all time definitely one of the most streamed and we're going to do a top billing draft of its characters who are the best office characters or our favorites depending on how you draft this is in honor of a quiet place part two review with john krasinski obviously at the helm and he was the famous jim halpert from the office so we are doing the top billing of office characters dr Rowe, before i get your thoughts on this draft we need to determine a draft order so flip a coin for us you call it in the air since i called it in the air last time to determine who gets the first pick it never fails all right so you want the first or second uh i want first all right so dr o have the first pick i will have the second pick that's right you want the first pick you believe there's a consensus number one i'm assuming uh any other thoughts going into this draft I can't wait till we get beyond the first two picks. Cause I think the first two pick, even the first three picks, I think are pretty, uh, 
I, I, I would say obvious. I think they're pretty obvious. But I, I'm excited to do an office draft. I remember watching this show Tuesday nights. I was in high school watching it for three-hour marathons on TBS. And then it was still actually airing every, every – uh, not every night, excuse me, weekly okay. on Thursdays on NBC. And that's when NBC had a killer lineup too where you had The Office, you had uh, was it 30 Rock, and then you had even they, – they would mix in like a show every once in a while. They throw in a different pilot. One that I remember is Outsourced. Remember that show, Ricky Yeah, Flex? Outsourced. One, was it only one season? Yeah. And I, but the only reason I watched it is because like it reminded me of The Office. I don't know why. Yeah. It just did, you know? It was just basically The Office in India, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But uh, that, that's a callback for any of you who are watching Thursday, Thursday Night NBC. But I'm jacked, and guess what? I'm going to lead it off. I'm just going to go, right? Go, I'm, go, just gonna go. Go. So I'm just going to go Michael Scott because I think it is the greatest comedic TV character arguably in history. Arguably in history. You got – I mean, you can go with a bunch of different like, like rivals there like Kramer, Seinfeld, like Larry David and Kirby Enthusiasm. There's like so many you can go with. But I think Michael Scott – He's so outlandish. He says whatever he wants. He has no remorse until the end of the episode. <laughs> but uh, it, this was the launching pad for Steve Carell's career, and he never looked back after this. He was Brick Tamlin, right, in Anchorman. 04, next, ne- basically shooting that year for The Office, debuts in 05, never looked back. And uh, Electric Character, I think, is the most obvious number one pick in any draft we've ever done. Yeah, like – not much more to say, except I do think he's like the greatest comedic TV actor ever. Just unreal performance. Yeah. It's just amazing how like the first season, how many episodes did it have? Like it only had like six, right? And then it just automatically got like renewed for like seasons two, three, and so on. And main part was because of Michael Scott and Steve Carell. So, right. I, and clear this, number one. And this is this move. This show took has taken over streaming. I know it's not on Netflix anymore. It dominated for years, but that was after the movie, the show stopped airing. The show was a, a phenomenon uh, later on, like it, like season one and two, not really a phenomenon, but then it hit like three, four, five. Like it started to become massive. And why did it become massive? Because of Steve Carell's character, but also because of the supporting cast, which we're about to get into. But um, obviously Steve Carell is the anchor. He's the anchor, but guess what? Who's the assistant <laughs> To the regional manager, it's going to be Dwight Schrute. That's the clear number two pick as well. The Mustard Shirts, Battlestar Galactica, Bears, Beats. I know I said it in the wrong order. All-time character. I don't think I – Rain Wilson, unfortunately, didn't really do much after The Office. He did one movie, The Rocker, which I actually do like. But other than that, like, he's the White Rocker. Shrew. He's the White Shrew. Clear number two pick here. Iconic look, glasses, split hair. Right. Just uh, like maybe one of the most iconic looks we're talking about iconic characters here. So iconic looks for a comedic character. Um, the way he speaks even is like, no one speaks like Dwight Schrute. One of the most popular Halloween costumes, probably in co- yes. any college kid. Um, you just got to, you, you see the square glasses, part your hair a little bit. And you just got to say the mustard Bears shirt beats Battlestar Galactica bears beats Battlestar Galactica. So great pick i mean those are the clearest one two that's the best one two since what what was uh who named it what was a more obvious one two thinking like drafts if greg ogan greg Oden panned out it was greg Oden and kevin durant <laughs> <laughs> the, but those were the obvious one two those drafts that's how obvious yeah i see were. what you're saying you know what i mean I'm, i can't think of another example right now but there's got to be. A I, I almost, I almost said Jordan, like Jordan, like Sam Bowie with number two. Whoa. I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. No, um, no, no. 
No, but number one pick was uh, Olajuwon. Olajuwon. If it was Olajuwon, Jordan, yeah. that's what I would have said. But gotcha. I don't have that option here. Unfortunately not. But, yep, that's my first pick. And my second pick, I think it's now, I think it's wide open. I know you said there's debatably a top three. I think that's after a top two, it's just that's the next, you go to the next tier. And I'm just going to go, I want this pairing next to each other because they kind of go together and it's Jim, Jim Halpert. I know usually you think probably of his love interest, right? Or one of them, right? But all the pranks that he pulls on Dwight, if I can get him on the same team, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to do it. Jim Halpert is my number two pick. Yeah. So that's the big three, in my opinion, that was the big three. No more basketball references. I apologize to the listeners, (laughs) but Jim, like what I like most about Jim, Jim was like a cool guy that was funny. Like I did, you never saw like, I never anticipated like him to eventually go on to play Jack Ryan or do a quiet place. Like I, I never, I never knew he had that talent because he was always just like the cool guy in the office. And I was always pumped because my mom used to say when that show was airing that she, I reminded her of Jim. And so I like that. So I like that pick. I wish I had him on my, I wish I had him on my squad. Good pick. Yeah, like when I think you you mentioned a good point. You never expected him to play like be in thirteen hours that Benghazi movie or Jack Ryan, Quiet Place, right? Let alone a director and like this world builder of a. People can't even get over the fact that he they are he is Jim in their eyes, and people can't get over that. But I think it's time that they do. He is one of the most talented filmmakers, right, in the thriller slash horror genre. He's special, as you just said in the the man is special and. His transformation as Jim, like he went from like a bull cut or flow, you know what I mean? Like raggedy hair to ended up looking like a stud. This guy's hot. Yeah. And <laughs> when he, right when he turned into like a stud, like you were thinking, oh, maybe he's going to like do more like movies. Like it's complicated, like rom-coms. No, That's what I would expect he, too. He went for like the box office, like with 13 hours and all these action films. So I, like, I love his transformation. I can't wait to see what he does more. Like, more. Like, I can't wait to see it. He leveled up. He leveled up. That's what he did. But, Absolutely. Dr. Rowe, your second pick here. Um, I, Dude, I'm so happy I'm getting these two characters. Next pick is Kevin. I'm going Kevin with my second round pick. That's who I was debating with. I mean, I, I'm not I, – dare I mention the Kevin spilled the chili scene. I think about him getting absolute buckets after the office basketball game. Kevin, the way he speaks, and what's so funny about um, Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin, is that he speaks nothing like that in real life. Nothing like nothing. that. And he's a massive sports fan. Um, just the fact that he's a perfect ending for his character, that he got fired eventually because he was terrible at accounting and terrible at his job. But Kevin is uh, the, the loaf of the office and the one that I guess he wouldn't have an entirely – uh, grand amount of screen time, like he wouldn't be uh, at like on the level of a Dwight, Jim, or Michael. But what he did in his screen time was always memorable, and that's going to pair with my my pick that I'm going to follow with this. But do you have any thoughts about Kevin Malone? It shows how good he was just by his cameo. Isn't he like the highest person on cameo? Like, yeah, he's the cameo king, dude. Yeah. Like it just shows how good he was on this show and how lovable he was. And they, and, they all those cameos probably like asked like, do the voice do the voice yeah exactly um but kevin kevin malone one of maybe the best cold open like the office has some iconic cold openings he has one of them with the chili right the gif that's up there what my favorite one is the no 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 that was great no the whole montage there that was coming out of the elevator like that's yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. But like, yeah, they do have iconic cold opens, but I don't think anything tops the chili moment. There were so many good like gym pranks on Dwight. Like I was just watching an office episode a couple of days ago and it was uh, Dwight when he was on the yoga ball and he's like bouncing around and it was just annoying gym. And Dwight's saying, oh, like my core, I'm going to have a six pack by the end of the summer and I'm going to do this and that. And Jim like goes, how much was that? And Dwight goes, $25, picks up a pair of scissors and just stabs it. Yeah, it's iconic. I love it. This uh, the show is so good. Uh, I, I got I, is Peacock free? Is Peacock free? Uh, if you have Xfinity, like the Comcast uh, cable, and if not, it's like you can get like five bucks a month with ads right. or ten bucks premium, something like that. How many times have you rewatched The Office, Flex? Not enough. No, too many to be honest. But yeah. uh, at least four. Like, 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 like from episode one all the way through, or just like watching it. Whatever. So the most recent time I did it, like actually like episode one through was two years ago. And I stopped right when, uh, actually no teasing, but when someone takes over as manager, um, and it was terrible. So ah, I won't somebody. say anymore, but your third pick, Dr. O. I'm going with a character that has even less screen time than Kevin usually has one line per episode. I'm going with Creed to kick off the third round. The funniest thing here is that Creed Bratton's actual name in real life is Creed Bratton. So like literally if he tries to do another movie, anything show, I'm just, he's just Creed Bratton, you know, he's, that's just, that's just who he is. But, uh, the the creepy vibe that he gives usually uh you have that guy in the office you're always suspect of and everyone talks about behind their back that's creed you know so the ones that they're crapping on or whatever but more like you don't talk about him too much because you're afraid he might kill you like uh, so i i'm very much a creed fan i remember in high school me and my buddies at lunch we just like go back and forth with creed lines that's like because like he was like because they were so memorable and he only had one per episode so if we like saw it on a thursday night we come friday and then we like say the creed line to one to each other like oh crap yeah there we go but uh i'm so glad i got ken malone and creed back to back i feel like they're not nearly the same character at all but like they are minimal screen time memorable moments that's why like in my draft strategy when i when i i knew michael scott was going one and dwight had to go two right and if I didn't pick one of the two that you just picked, Kevin or Creed, having those on the same team and those memorable moments is just very good to have on your board. Like, it's mm-hmm. just to have those memorable moments because they don't have, like, that many lines, right, like you said. But every time they do speak, it's memorable. So right. it's just like you, like, you got that. So I'm a little jealous. But it's my pick now. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, this is where it gets – Interesting, because I think those were the two obvious ones that weren't the star studs. They weren't the Dwight, Jim, Michael. Now it's just like the you get the pick pick of the rest, you know. Okay. Well, this person went to Cornell, and I'm going to go Andy Bernard. Unlike a lot of people, I actually really liked him as manager, even though like obviously he's not nearly as good as Michael Scott. But just his whole character when he got introduced from the Stanford office coming to Scranton. And him and uh, – actually, no teasing picks. But uh, him and the other Stanford people came along, and he was one of the few that stayed. And then he was the only one that ended up staying for the rest of the show. It showed how good he was. And Ed Helms just got a new Peacock show basically being Andy again. And it, I think it just came out. So it just shows how iconic that character is. So Andy Bernard is going to be my pick here. Uh, so I hated him as manager. But uh, the first time – the first couple seasons of Andy – 
he was lining up to be the next Michael Scott. Like he was lining up to be like that level of like wacky. And he's like almost wackier than Michael Scott. Michael Scott was just flat out dumb. Andy was just like an idiot, you know? Like, I don't even know. That didn't even make sense. But like, my, like, like Andy is just like, I don't even know how to describe him. He's just such a random dude. He is hilarious. A suck up. Suck up. But an oddball. He's an oddball. Like, like whether it be him on, on the acapella group, uh, him with the nicknames, <laughs> like, and I Tuna. even him just like, but he has those moments too. Like he punching through a wall that like that Andy scene is probably the most iconic Andy scene. Right. right? Um, but yeah, young Tuna, but, and it's also funny because his relationship with another character that could be listed later and like his dynamic with Dwight, his rivalry with Dwight takes the show to another level because you have the gym and, uh, white rivalry but then you have others spawning uh off of that so now you have andy and uh dwight and they have and then them dueling and then we also forget andy's a major part of the parkour circuit with michael scott dwight yes right so they're big they're they're the big three when it comes to the parkour team so uh i like it so i I like the first half of andy i don't like the second When you mentioned the punch scene, like just the acapella ringtone, Rocket Robin, new tweet, diddity, acapella going in the ceiling. And after he punches it, Jim just closes the flip phone and stares <laughs> at the camera. Jim has the best like camera stares, like breaking the fourth wall. He has the best. The best. The best. It's him and Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. But okay, so then my fourth pick, I'm going to go Meredith. Meredith. I just think- I think she has like arguably the most iconic moments other than like the big two or big three, right? She has like, she got hit by a car. There is oh the bat. Oh my God. Did that part, like that part with Michael in the, like that's after Michael burned his foot, right? On the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. That oh is like God. the most cringe I've ever like heard Michael Scott speak after she got hit by a car. And then he's putting his foot, like trying to put it through the CAT scan or, or the MRI machine or whatever. Right. I was just I, like, I can't do it. I almost had to like turn away from it. It was so cringe. But uh, she also you talk about iconic scenes. Christmas party episode. At Christmas, the end with party. Michael. <laughs> Christmas party. Christmas party episode. No, like, but- she was on fire the, when she was on fire. Michael. When Michael, she like takes her shirt off, and then Michael just he goes like, <laughs> yeah, then walks out like that. Like, <laughs> you would check it out on our YouTube, but Doctor O just oh flashed my- the camera at the screen. Oh my god, that that moment is incredible. Meredith is almost like that same level of Creed, where she's gonna make a one scene, one line appearance. You know, she's going to be something related to booze or partying hard, but it nails every time. It hits. So I like the pick. <laughs> Yes, in her house too, with her son who's crazy. Mm-hmm. That was great too. Oh, but, dude! I, when he came to work, well, yeah. Then uh, him and Dwight had the rivalry. Everyone has rivalries with Dwight. Yeah, everyone. Has, yeah, everyone has rivalries with Dwight. Oh yeah. But your fourth pick here. I'm going to go with David Wallace as my next pick. You gotta suck it. He is. Um, kind of an interesting arc with his character he goes from like the all business type dude obviously the sale happens or wherever he's now no longer dunder mifflin but he is one person that like i liked his interactions with michael he wasn't always the funniest dude in the show but there are times where like 
his eye rolls. He knows how stupid Michael is, but deep down, he's friends with Michael. Like, like he understands Michael. If you know what I mean, I guess. Oh yeah, but, like Michael views him as like a good friend, and he's yes, like just very yes. like it's not it's not always more not, friendly than he should be. It's with not him. always mutual. It's not always right. mutual. But like eventually, like deep down, David knows he's friends with Michael, and uh, Michael brought a serious. I mean, uh, David Wallace brought a serious tone to the show. At, uh, tone to the show at times but also he wasn't afraid to crack a joke or two um, but one of my favorite episodes is when Michael goes to visit him in his house with his son who's crushing the drums like uh, like uh, he has the second idea right. so and that, that that scene is ingrained in my memory forever so I'm gonna go David Wallace my next pick and Andy Buckley who plays him is good in Curb as well mm. he made a couple of appearances in newest Curb. season no, not newest, but uh, just in the past. Like, I, there's so many episodes of Curve, and they're all like just random episodes, not necessarily like a clear arc, right? So, I, I can't necessarily name one, but you could just Google it. Like, he's very good at like the because Curve, like a lot of that's just ad lib, right? Just playing off of each other. So, right. I feel like him and Michael Scott, Steve Carell, like did that all the time, and you kind of feel that with that relationship, and that's what makes makes him like a a good pick here in this draft, a top ten office character. At least in your eyes, like he's worthy. So good pick. Yeah, it's it's just like he is like the eye roll without doing the eye roll. That's like his character, you know. It's like whenever Michael speaks, he's like this goddamn idiot. Yeah, I like when uh, they're, <laughs> when they're at the board meeting, like the stockholders meeting or whatever. Yo, yeah, but it was, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was he I'm trying to think? And then, like, the uh, the parts where Michael is, like, secretly seeing Jan and, like, him and Jan are, have this on and off thing. And David Wallace is somehow usually in the middle of it, whether at the table, at the meeting, at dinner, something. Mm-hmm. And he's always stuck. <laughs> and he's always just like, what is happening right now? So I like I li- I that aspect, too. Well, round out your draft with your fifth pick. Man, my fifth pick. I'm going to go Stanley. I'm going to go Stanley as my fifth pick. Uh, a guy who's not afraid to give it to Michael and talk about someone who's not afraid to say Michael's an idiot. Like David Wallace never really said that to him. Stanley was no, no fear, no fear. And uh, all he cared about was uh, cashing that check, going on vacation. And one of the most jaw dropping moments is when you find out Stanley's having an affair. That is one of the wildest moments of the show. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it's almost unbelievable me just saying it right now, but uh his delivery was perfect. A lot of these characters, like their castings were perfect. The deliveries are perfect in those characters. And that doesn't change with Stanley. So that's my last pick. I think rounding out a pretty good draft for me. He has a great voice too. And he must be insanely good at like Sudoku and crosswords. Like he must be the best Sudoku. He's always got, he's always got way up in his face, pencil in hand, Michael walking by basically saying, Nope, Nope. Stay until five today. Nope. (laughs) But like uh, then the basketball scene, obviously you want to talk about it more iconic moments where Michael, he starts dribbling the basketball. Michael says, you gotta be kidding me. Right. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, uh, that's maybe Stanley's most iconic moment, but also when no, he no, has no. the heart attack, heart attack. No, too. no. Did I start a- Oh, Oh, with his daughter, right. To Jim. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a gym. Yeah, Those to Jim. They, they're in the faculty. They're not the faculty. They're in the in uh, the- lounge, whatever. Yeah. And then he goes like, you better take your eye. He's like, I'm trying to remember what he said now. He's like, oh, I'll put it back for you. I forgot what he said, but I know what you're saying. Did I stutter? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I... is that the right scene? God dang it. Is that the, sa- is that the I... same scene? I didn't think so, but 
now I'm now my mind's in a blender trying to think. I'm just mashing Man. up all of Stanley moments now. Because I, I was thinking of the part where it's like have, he's like, oh, he goes to Jim, and it just came to me. He's like, have you lost your damn mind, boy? <laughs> like, yeah, like right yeah. after, <laughs> like he like after he's like, st- I forgot what happened to his daughter. His daughter like tried to like slip like her number to him or something like that, and like Jim was like, wanted nothing to do with it, and he was just plastered against the wall. But uh, yeah, we're, I gotta figure out the did I stutter part. Dang it. Like the audience is going to kill us for that. Well, I'll round out the draft here. I was thinking about going like uh personal with my, with the, the, the next highest on my big board. But I think this person just needs to be picked and it's going to be Pam. Pam just has to be picked. I'm not, I know, I know, I know, but I have Jim on my board. It makes sense to pair them. And she's like, kind besides michael scott like she's kind of is the office like she's the heart and soul of the office so i feel like she needs to be picked in a top 10 draft here the chilies chilies pam at chilies now and end it with that I feel god in this i feel i feel god in this chilies tonight <laughs> <laughs> well that's gonna round out our draft before we do honorable mentions let me just read them off here so dr o has michael scott kevin malone Creed, David Wallace, and Stanley Hudson. Ricky Flicks has Dwight Schrute, Jim Halpert, Andy Bernard, Meredith Palmer, and Pam Beasley, or Halpert. Dr. O, honorable mentions. Uh, Angela, for sure. We, I mean, we're going to talk about episodes of The Office. I think of uh, my favorite, I, I think a lot of people's favorite is the fire drill episode where uh, you find out Angela's just hiding cats in the ceiling of Dunder Mifflin. And then um, Angela is just like the whole dynamic with Dwight cheating on Andy. That whole thing is like something that is one of the funnier subplots to the show. And like, I would, I would, I don't know if I'd ever draft her. She's so snarky and like does yeah. whatever she wants. And she's such like an uptight, like B I T C H. I don't know. She's just, that's who she is. Yeah. All time resting B face too. Like it's just, yeah, I, I just, I didn't feel comfortable drafting her. I didn't even put her on my board just to make sure I didn't even have the thought into my mind, but the Senator with Oscar. another. Oh my God. Mentioned. That was also that was a, a ridiculous line. dynamic too. So, oh my God. So I guess and she I'm, knew about it. It's so terrible. It. So like, uh, another honorable mention for me, Aaron. That's who I was toying I like with Aaron. as my tenth pick. I really like Aaron. I think she's hilarious. She's like dumb, but also just like hilarious at the same time. And it was a great, like a quote unquote replacement for Pam uh, as a secretary role. Something a little different, a little quirky. That actress is getting canceled right now. Oh really? I'm glad I didn't pick her. Then, dude, no. you you don't know about this? So Aaron, I don't know who plays Aaron, but there was a thing. I know KFC uh, from Barstool did a One Minute Man, which he does like about anything happening in like on the internet, like something big happens. Where she, like one when she was like seventeen or eighteen, she won the queen of some ball or something, and it has roots to the KKK. Oh wow, that's not good. No roots to the KKK, so it's like her family is like old plantation like type rich Ooh, and stuff like, like bachelor, that but like it, it's not proven that like she's like in the kkk or anything it just has bad uh bad connotations to the whole thing nothing's been proven proven but like it, it got uh, she got exposed on the internet the other day oh. and uh so and i don't know so uh, i'm glad i 
I'm glad you did not pick her, to be well, honest. <laughs> well, moving on from that, the next one on my big board was Phyllis, the grandmother of the office, as my, per Michael Scott. Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Bob Vance's wife. Low-key hilarious. The the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey episode, when she's reading that, and telling Pam to read it, basically. Oh, my God. So, Phyllis. Phyllis is great. Low-key, like, you th- on on the surface, it's like, eh. But then when you actually watch it like multiple times, you're like, wow, Phyllis is hilarious. And like the scene where like Michael Scott is like sitting on Phyllis's lap. Oh yeah. It's like I'm a, only thing I'm afraid of. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't yeah. say it out here. But uh <laughs> Phyllis is funny. And, and she wanted like, to be Santa. And and she'll stick it to Angela too. Like like the uh, the party planning committee. Party planning committee. Yeah, with Pam. Um I also wanted to bring up uh Daryl. Daryl didn't get picked. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he's a top 10 character, to be honest. I just don't feel like he's there. Um, there's, like, there's so many good supporting cast members. He came on a little later in the scene, similar to like Andy Bernard. He was always there, but he didn't become a more prominent like character in the series until later on, later seasons in the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, But even when that- he did, he still got overshadowed. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, so, But then he obviously... He gets his own office and everything in the uh, uh, in Scranton, and, and like when he goes up from the warehouse, he's representing all the boys downstairs, yeah, and, and girls. There's him and Andy, him and too. him and Andy had a good relationship, good chemistry moving forward. Uh, with I think of like that. I think of like one of the best memes or gifts, I should say, is like Oscar, Daryl, and then Kevin dancing, right? So like they're doing a quick scene, and then like uh, like Oscar's doing that. Doo, 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 right? Doo, doo. Yes. 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 So, uh, and like, that's one of the best memes or whatever, but, uh, I just don't think, and like him, I guess with Michael in the car, that's what's an iconic moment too, but I don't, I don't, but I don't think he just doesn't belong on the same list. Maybe you could argue, like I made a pick out David Wallace. You would argue Daryl's probably a better character than David Wallace, but personally, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, lastly, I just want to say, uh, my last one, D'Angelo Vickers, just for like the, uh, juggling scene. With to the Evanescence, where he's he's saying where he's having the fake balls, <laughs> and he on the drop, he keeps going. Phyllis, I need you to stay completely still. Do not move your head. Let's give a big round of applause for Phyllis. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. Yeah, but that does it for my. Of, uh, that, yeah, that, those are people, mine. A lot of people hate on Will Ferrell for that, but really, yeah, I, right. I think a lot of people don't like him in that in that little cameo, like couple I, episodes there. No one, no one liked anybody replacing Michael Scott, dude. Yeah, it was yeah. a lose lose situation. Will Ferrell's the best you were going to do. Well, another one that replaced Michael Scott for a little bit, Robert California, James Spader. He was pretty good. Um, not top ten, but I just wanted to mention his name because I think he was also someone where I think he doesn't get. I, I think a lot of people hate on him as well. When I thought he was pretty good, no one, no one was going to match him. No yeah. one was going to match Michael Scott. It was an in, in enviable uh, situation to be in, right? right? No one wanted to be that person. But uh, I know they were rotating people too to see like, okay, that's basically what it was. Yeah, it, was like just a, Elba. it was almost like a tryout. But like Idris Elba was there like also middle of yeah. earlier, earlier seasons. So yeah. you had him. Jim Carrey. Uh, like 
was Jim Carrey in it for an episode? He was one of the interviews. Like yes, one of the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know they were rotating people, and that was a huge thing when it came to marketing post Michael Scott was that they were trying out different. There were people. betting odds. There were betting odds of like who's going to be the next uh, manager of Dunder Mifflin. Wow, that, like people like like people do for James Bond, like who's going to be the yeah. next? Who's, who's going to be running Dunder the Mifflin? Office. Yeah, that's how electric that show was. They had Vegas odds on it. Unbelievable. But uh, I have two more. One, Hank, the security guard. Hank, Hank's a good pick. And then uh, Michael Scott's best friend, Todd Packer. I, canceled. <laughs> so canceled. You cannot pick Todd Packer in this draft. Packer. <laughs> it's the stuff I can't, we can't even repeat his lines on the show. No, you can't. But if you. Everyone listening, everyone has watched The Office and Packer episode. He makes his presence known. But that's going to do it for our top billing draft of The Office characters. Dr. Rowe, throw it back to you. All right, let's wrap up this episode. That will conclude this episode of The Drive-In Podcast. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this. And then rate us five stars. Next week, we are reviewing in the Heights on HBO Max and in theaters this week. Highly anticipated film coming from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Can't wait. That does it for the Drive-In Pod, episode four zero. We will smell you.